Obamacare, why you're thinking about dividends wrong, and a Q&A on activists and Allergan, because this is where the money is. Hi Fools, I'm healthcare analyst Michael Douglas, freshly in from Paris, France, and I am joined today by our uh, healthcare contributor, Todd Campbell, all the way from New Hampshire. Todd, how cold is it up there? Michael, it is way too cold. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. Uh, yeah, and I am uh, I'm way too jet lagged, but uh, I guess that's the story of our lives, huh? Yes, welcome back to this side of the world. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, shockingly awake at the moment, but maybe that's because I think it's like, uh, it's like 8 p.m. right now, uh, at least according to my body clock. Uh, it's going to get rougher, I think, later in the uh, afternoon. All right, so we've got a packed show today, uh, a lot of things we want to cover, so let, let's get right to it. Obamacare. Uh, and and let, let's talk briefly about the penalties in Obamacare. Uh, now, of course, this is the, the stick part of the carrot and the stick, and we'll talk more broadly, but, but let's start off. Todd, what are the penalties for 2015? Right, and you had mentioned briefly, I mean, we've got, the ACA's got carrots and it's got sticks. The carrots are the subsidies, the sticks are the penalties. Mm -hmm. And the penalties aren't going to apply to everybody. Right. Um, they're just going to apply to those people who said, you know, I think I'm going to pass on insurance um, and not get it through either the exchanges or my employer or Medicare or Medicaid or whatnot. Um, as far as the penalty amounts, they're not horrible. Uh, it, it, for 2014, it's going to be, it gets a little weird here, but it's, it's the higher of either 1% or $95 per adult mm -hmm. and $47.50 per child with a maximum of $285. But that goes up substantially for 2015. So the carrot, the stick is getting a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, well, and, uh, and the carrots themselves have been a, a pretty big, uh, a pretty big issue. I mean, I, I, the number that's in my head is about 87 percent. I want to say of of people who got insurance on the exchanges qualified for. Uh, some of those subsidies. And so that's really a, an enormous number in terms of sort of helping create demand and making sure that people have an incentive to get not, not just something sort of forcing them toward the insurance, but also something sort of drawing them toward it as well, that carrot side. Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, you've, you've got the subsidies that are reducing prices in many cases for by 75%. Mm -hmm. Like you said, almost nine out of every 10 per people that signed up on the exchanges, either state or federal, qualified for them. So that is, that's, a, that's a big issue. But the penalties aren't geared necessarily to the people. They're geared in a way towards people who may feel, hey, I'm young, I'm invincible, I don't really need to pay for insurance, so mm -hmm. I'm not going to. And what's interesting about that is that the penalties are going to indirectly help insurers balance out their patient pool a little bit, in my, in my view at least. Mm -hmm. Because it may encourage a few more young invincibles to say, well, at least I can get something for nothing. Uh, rather, rather, you know, get something for my money rather than nothing, mm -hmm. um, and sign up for an insurance plan. And if they do that, then insurers will be able to spread out the cost of caring for the sickest of patients in their pool across more healthy people. Sure. So, so then, real quick, uh, real quick second, uh, let's say, give us your thirty-second pitch. What is your favorite insurance stock with upside? For, for the 2015 exchanges. Wh which stock are you watching most closely and most excited about for its upside? I would have to say, you know, if we're looking predominantly at the exchange plays, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to say WellPoint. Mm -hmm. um, WellPoint is a really, really exciting company. They have were in 14 states last year. They're going to be doing a similar amount of states this year, but they've got a whole year now of experience in knowing exactly how to price those plans. 
And, you know, you're looking at, I think they had about 700,000 people that signed up through the exchanges last year. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, if they can deliver the 3 to 5% um, operating margins that they're hoping to get out of those plans over time, the, the exchanges should be a big win for them. Yeah, well, and, and Blue Cross Blue Shield plans, uh, which is what WellPoint uh, markets, uh, just have had, it's been an enormous brand booster for them. That's something they've emphasized as well. All right, good to hear. Thank you, Todd. Um, all right, so let, let's, let's turn then into our, uh, our, 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 second, our second conversation, our second segment, um, which is on kind of why you're thinking about dividend payout ratio is wrong. Now, usually when people are uh, buying a stock and, you know, they see that the stock has a dividend, yay, that's awesome. That means the stock's actually making money uh, because it's giving out that money in dividends to investors in cash dividends. Um, usually one thing they look at is the payout ratio, which is the percentage of earnings paid out in dividends. Um, it's a simple number. And, you know, usually you're looking for something um, obviously below 100% because you're paying out more than you're earning. That's a bad sign. But, you know, probably I'd say under 70% in most cases. Um, but, but, Todd, I think your contention would be that that really isn't the ratio you should be watching. So let's talk about what people should be watching instead. Right. I mean, I think that obviously you're going to get some information that's going to be useful by looking at the earnings payout ratio, mm -hmm. without a doubt. But there's a better way, in my view, to look at it, and that's to look at the cash dividend payout ratio. And what the cash dividend payout ratio does is it shows you what percentage of cash, not earnings, um, after taking out things like capital expenses and preferred dividend payments, because people with preferred dividends will get paid before common dividends, uh, people will get paid. So it's telling you how much cash after CapEx and preferred dividends is being used to pay the common uh, dividend. And I think that's much more valuable to investors because the reality is that there's a lot of accounting gimmickry that can go into uh, determining how much a company is earning in a particular year. Mm -hmm. But it's far less difficult, or it's far more difficult, to um, do that kind of gamesmanship with cash. Mm -hmm. I mean, cash is king. And if you're a dividend investor, brass taxes, you want not only a good dividend yield, but you want to know that that dividend yield is going to sustain year after year after year. Mm -hmm. So rather than looking at the earnings side, I'd rather look at the cash flow side. I think that's going to give you a much better feel, especially if you're considering stocks that maybe every once in a while they have a down year as far as earnings because they're investing in their business or whatnot. Yeah, well, and, and a couple examples that we were talking about before the show, uh, Pfizer and Bristol-Myers Squibb. Let's talk about Pfizer first. Uh, of course, uh, the the big thing was the loss of Lipitor. I mean, this was a what, 11, 12 billion dollar a year drug at its peak. It's fallen off. I mean, it, it, it's generating what I want to say maybe two and a half billion over the, the trailing 12 months, something like that. Don't quote me on that number, but but a, a much smaller number. That's a lot of money that they've lost, and yet they maintain their dividend. Yeah, I mean, and again, this is one of those things where you have to not only understand the business behind every dividend stock you're buying, mm -hmm. but you also want to make sure that you're paying attention to the ratios to just give yourself that extra bit of confidence. Um, Lipitor was a big headwind. Um, if you look at Bristol-Myers, Bristol-Myers dealing with head, headwinds as well from patent expiration. Um, and you need to be able to say, okay, well, can these companies offset the risk of lower sales or falling sales from these patent expirations? Mm -hmm will my dividend remain safe? And in my eyes, or in my view, the cash dividend payout ratio helps you get one step closer to making that decision. And in both cases, by the way, both Pfizer and Bristol-Myers, the cash dividend payout ratio appears fine. 
Yeah, and, and, and what to your mind is a fine cash pay, uh, cash dividend payout ratio? So let's say I'm, I'm a new investor, I'm looking at the cash dividend payout ratio, and I see uh, a number. What, what's, a, what's a number that you would find to be pretty healthy, generally? Pretty healthy would be 50% or lower. Okay. You know, I'm going to start getting a little nervous if I get above 80%. Mm -hmm. And I like to look on the trailing 12 months. It just gives us a little bit more of a smooth view. Mm -hmm. Quarter to quarter, you could get some, you know, funky movement. But I would, I'd like to look at the 12 months on that. But if you're around 50%, you can feel pretty good about it. Yeah, no, there's definitely going to be some quarter to quarter lumpiness. There's seasonality, uh, not just in healthcare stocks, but particularly in the retail space. Um, we definitely see that. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's, that's good to hear. All right, so let, let's turn finally to a question we got from a fool. Uh, Bruce asks, um, so... I'm going to summarize because it was a long question, but but essentially Bruce is saying, listen, you know, I own I own some Allergan stock. Um, Allergan uh, and Activist PLC have recently announced that Activist is going to buy Allergan. Um, you know, what should I do? Uh, you know, should I should I hold? I mean, I really like Allergan. I really understand their business model. Um, you know, is is this an opportunity? I've made a lot of money on it. You know, should I should I be uh, moving into? Uh, you know, going ahead and accepting the activist stock? Should I be selling out my position uh, with the gains that I've made? You know, what sort of goes into your mind when you get that sort of question, Todd? Yeah, I mean, this is a, it's a small deal, right? Yeah, <laughs> like Six, $66 billion. billion dollars, yeah, you know. Right, and if, if you're an elegant shareholder, you're, you're probably pretty happy. I, I think the stock is up about 92% this year. Mm -hmm. So that brings you to the question of, okay, well, why did I buy Allergan? And, and then I think that you need to say, okay, well, if I bought Allergan because of Botox and because of the ophthalmology drugs, um, and because those drugs and the growth and sales of those drugs was going to lead to 30% or so earnings growth, great. Um, you can't necessarily, however, translate that investing th investment thesis to Activist. Activist is a larger company. You know, it's a generic drug powerhouse. Mm -hmm. um, Combined, the company is going to have $23 billion in sales next year. So you can't necessarily say, well, I love Allergan, so I'm just going to stick with it. Because Allergan's going to have, there's drugs, Botox and the ophthalmology drug, they're going to have a smaller impact, a smaller, uh, uh, they'll move the needle less mm -hmm. at Activist. So you need to go back and really do your due diligence, come up with a brand new investing thesis of why I would like to own Activist. And focus less on, well, I loved Allergan and focus more on, well, what do I think that the outlook could be for activists? Yeah, well, and, and I think some, some, some key things to watch out for there. Uh, I, I'm going to say, uh, a lot of the financial media, I think, has talked a lot about the fact that, well, Allergan will be able to lower its tax rate because it'll be joining Activist, which is an Irish company. Um, and, and financial engineering is all well and good. Yeah, that's a plus. But certainly that doesn't speak much to the underlying business of activists. I mean, it is a, it is a big uh, generic drug play. Um, and I think that... Uh, when, when you're looking at activists, what you really need to consider is sort of what are the drugs, um, what are the stages of development, and how confident are we in its ability to carve out a market um, in, in those areas. And, and, and the other issue, and it could be a plus or a minus, you know, Allergan and activists don't have that much portfolio crossover. So to my mind, um, that indicates on the one hand, yay, uh, Allergan and activist products won't be cannibalizing each other. That is a good thing, uh, definitely for uh, potential activist shareholders.
Um, but on the other hand, you know, there's also some execution risk because of that activist hasn't dealt with something like Botox before. So uh, will it be able to do that effectively? Um, and I think that is an, an open question. Then again, you know, they, they expect to generate some pretty significant operating synergies. So it's clear they're taking this deal very seriously and they see a lot of opportunity here. Um, so I think it really, as you said, I think it really depends on, on the investor and their, and their thesis for activists. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to give activists a little bit of the benefit of the doubt only because they've mm -hmm. been successful at integrating in the past. Yes. Uh, Warner Chilcott, um, Forest Labs was the most recent deal that they've done. Mm -hmm. they, seem to be, they seem to do a pretty good job at, at over-delivering on what they're estimating the synergies will be. Um, they're guessing right now about $1.8 in synergies um, once they get all things said and done. You know, that may or may not happen. But, yeah, you have to remember, as you said, these are two different companies and there is some new risks. You can't just carry over your thesis from Allergan. Yeah, exactly. So, Bruce, we hope that's helpful. Um, folks, thank you for listening and watching as always. Uh, stay tuned for tomorrow's energy show. Um, and uh, until then, check back to fool.com for all of your healthcare investing uh, and all your other investing needs and full on.